Welcome to Today in the Word with Pastor Bob Larson of Calvary Chapel Caldwell. Pastor Bob will be with us in just a few minutes, but first we'd like to let you know that Calvary Chapel is located on the corner of 10th and Everett, across from the library in downtown Caldwell. We have two Sunday morning services at 9.30 and 11.30. If you prefer Saturday nights, we have a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. We also have a midweek service Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Calvary Chapel Caldwell invites you to our community Easter services Saturday, April 8th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, April 9th at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Featuring the musical drama This Is Love, a free barbecue, candy, and bounce house for the kids. For more information, visit us at calvarycaldwell.com. What is the loudest voice in our culture about sexual morality? About whether you could sleep around or men with men or women with women or whatever other options they dream up. What's the loudest voice? It's Hollywood. You know what the average long-lasting marriage in Hollywood is? I heard it on a Hollywood show. They said four years. If you are married for four years in Hollywood, that's a long time. Now, here's the deal. I don't want any advice from them (laughs) because I want to stay married longer than four years because it's it's torturous to get divorced. And so I thought, I don't want to hear that. And so for me, everything that somebody wants to give advice or opinion about, the proof's in the pudding. And so when I look at the scriptures, there's just many, many, many people who I look at, who've been Christians, they follow God's word, they obey God's word, and you look at their life, and it produces a great life. And really, if you have the option or the opportunity to talk to somebody who's 70 or 80 or 90, and they've been a Christian for a long time, you just ask them, what do you regret about being a Christian? And they're going to tell you the truth. Because, you know, at that age, they don't care what anybody thinks. You know, I ask people, hey, what is following Christ been like? And most people, well, every single person I've ever talked to who's older, they'll tell me, hey, you know what, it's been awesome. But here's the thing. Sometimes I talk to older people who are in the hospital who are dying and they're not Christians and they haven't followed the Lord. And I say, hey, what do you regret about their life? And I don't ask that question because I don't have that much time to stay there and hear all their stories because it's just a non-ending long list of drama and regret and bitterness and anger towards people. And it really is something that I don't want for my life. And so Paul's telling them, if someone rejects God's word, They're not rejecting you. They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting God's word. And he says in verse 9, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. So basically what he said here in these last nine verses is that don't live like the world. Don't live sexually immoral and don't take advantage of other people at church sexually, but love one another like Jesus loved us, to care about people, to be kind towards people. And here's the deal. If you love someone, you're not going to take advantage of them. If you love someone, you're not going to do things to them that are hurtful. And so he's saying, you know that you need to love one another. In verse 10, and indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Now, what is he talking about? Increase more and more. In what? In immorality? No, the verse before, verse 9, what's he talking about? Love one another. He's saying you need to increase. You need to continually be growing and increasing in your love towards one another. And I guess that's something that we could all ask ourselves. Practical application is, am I increasing in my love towards other people? Now, what does that mean? You say, what what does love mean? Well, love, love suffers long. Love is patient. Love is kind. Are you more patient with people? Are you growing in patience? Are you growing in being kind towards people? You know, in that whole list, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love suffers long. It isn't puffed up, doesn't promote itself, and all those things, believes all good things. And he's just saying we should increase that. So if you've been a Christian for a long time, 
then you should be very loving because he's saying we should be increasing in it. And maybe you're like, well, I never heard that before. Okay, you start today. <laughs> you start praying today. God, okay. You know, Paul told those Christians in Thessalonica they should be increasing more and more in their love for one another. And how do you love people? Well, you show people love by things you do for them. You can do whatever you feel that you like to do for God and to bless people and to love people. But I do think we should recognize that it is a normal part of the Christian life to love one another. So to be serving people, to be helping people. And uh, you know, if you love your family, you're going to be doing things for them, right? You're going to be doing things to help them. If you truly love the people in your family, you should on a regular basis say, hey, what can I do to help you? Or if you're just always demanding, because there are two kind of people, takers and givers. And Jesus said that we should be the kind that give. We should be the kind that serve. We should be the kind that help. And because, you know, the opposite is to be self-centered and just always be taking and never be giving. And Paul said, increase more and more in your love towards one another. That means to love people, serve people, help people. Show it in the way that you act, the things that you do. Verse 11, he says, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Now, I had my kids memorize this when they were little because they would always be, well, you know what he did yesterday? And I'd be like, you need to mind your own business. And I'd say, that's in the Bible. I'm like, no, it's not. Here it is right here. We come to it. Aspire to lead a quiet life and mind your own business. Now, for some of you, you should highlight that, underline it. <laughs> because some of you have a propensity to meddle in other people's business. And the Bible says, mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Now, what Paul's saying is, if you're going to be loving people, don't meddle in their business. Don't stir up trouble. And he's saying, if you love people, you should be working with your own hands. In other words, when a person's not working, there's a tendency that if a person has too much idle time to begin to meddle in other people's business. And so if you're working and you're serving, well, then you don't have a lot of time to meddle in other people's business. And I found that to be true in my life. When I'm busy working about the things that God wants me to be doing with my family or with my church or my job or whatever I'm doing, then I don't really have time to meddle in other people's business. But if I'm just sitting around, not doing anything, not serving the Lord, not working hard at work, not working hard at home, taking care of business at home, and I've just got just nothing to do, then there's just that tendency to meddle in your business. And so uh, he's saying, mind your own business. Now, what he's not saying is that you shouldn't seek to help people and bless people. See, nobody wants you to meddle in their business, but everybody wants you to serve them and to love them. So if you come up to somebody at church and you say, hey, I noticed your car is dirty. You want to bring it by my house later and I'll wash it for you? They're going to be like, don't meddle in my life. No one will say that. I mean, anytime you want to help people, they want to be helped. But meddling is when you get involved and you start telling them how to raise their kids. You start telling them how to live their marriage or you start telling them how they ought to be a Christian and you start pointing out their sin and saying, yeah, if you really, and you start meddling in their life. And so, you know, the whole study on meddling, we're not going to get into that. So he said, mind your own business. So that's a good thing. Now, he goes on in verse 12 and says, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. So what is he saying? He's saying, you need to live your Christian life in such a way that people look at you who are not Christians and they say, look, how do you act around your Christian friends? Well, you should be loving them. You should be working hard and you should not be meddling in other people's business. So when people who are non-Christians look at you, they say, hey, look at that person. They have a peaceful life. They're filled with self-control and love and peace. And people are like, oh, that's what everybody wants. And Paul's saying that we need to think about how we live our life because everybody's looking at you. See, your life is an example to people around you. And you might be thinking right now, Pastor Bob, you need to get off this track because I'm not Jesus. I didn't say you were. <laughs> but what I know is that Jesus said, I'm an example, now you follow me. And what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who follows Christ. And Jesus said, live the way I have set an example for you. The Apostle Paul said, 
live as the example that I've set for you. And the Bible says that we are all examples for other people. Now, you can say, well, I don't agree with that. I'm not an example. Well, that's fine. You can say two plus two doesn't equal four, but it still is. <laughs> and so you are an example to the people around you, where you work, where you live, whatever. And so Paul's saying, you know, you need to think about your life and who you are and what you're doing because it affects the people around you. And so he says in verse 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now Paul gets in this section, he's talking about that some of those Christians in Thessalonica were wondering what happens when a person dies. Because Paul talked about, he told them that Jesus is coming back. And so he says, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, fallen asleep is a term that is used in the Bible for a Christian when your physical body dies. Because the world, they use the word, if someone dies, they think that you cease to exist. That's the end. But for the Christian, when your physical body dies, you know, the real you, your spirit, goes on to be with the Lord. And so Paul's talking about when he says falling asleep, he's talking about when your physical body dies. And we know that in 2 Corinthians 5, that he said, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, and that, that tent is speaking about your body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body. That means if you die, you're absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. So when you die, you go directly to be in the presence of the Lord. So Paul says in verse 14 of our text, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, who are those who sleep in Jesus? It's those people who died. And so they were wondering, oh, if, if you died before Jesus comes back, what happens? Where are they going to go? And so what he's saying is that if a person dies before Jesus comes back, then they go to be with him. You're with the Lord if you're not here. And so he says in verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, what he's saying is those who died before Jesus comes back, they're going to precede us being with Jesus. So when you die, you go with Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, those who died are with him and they're going to come with him. So there is no soul sleep. As some people teach that when you die, then your soul wanders and sleeps or whatever. There's, there's no waiting place. There's no, what is that? There's no purgatory. A purgatory is not in the Bible in the sense that you die and then you go wait. And, then if, and if you're bad, you're in hell. And then if your parents give the church a lot of money, then you get to go to heaven. And the thing is, he's just saying that when you die, you're with the Lord. And when Jesus comes back, we're coming with him. You go directly to be with him. And there is no middle place or whatever. So he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. In other words, I think he's saying when Jesus comes back, that those who have died, they'll be with him, and they'll precede those who haven't died yet. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, and you can underline that in your Bible, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, why would Paul say comfort one another with these words? What he's saying is that we have this great hope that if you die as a Christian, you're going to go be with the Lord. And so if you have relatives who've died, they're with Jesus now. And when you die, you're going to see him there again. So it's a wonderful, great hope. And also in verse 12, when the word caught up there, it's speaking about the rapture. When he says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So he's talking about the rapture when those who are here on the earth go to be with the Lord in the rapture. And, you know, we're going to talk about rapture, but that word caught up in the Greek is harpazo, and in the Latin, it's raptus, where we get the word rapture, and then we're going to talk about that next time, because we're out of time now, and they fixed the clock, and so we're not going to go till 10, so, uh, all right, so let's stop. We'll pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, and Lord, I am so thankful 
for the power of your word to change lives. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you have given us these truths to help us to navigate life in such a way that it produces the kind of life that you intended for us to have, a life filled with love and peace and joy. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to receive this truth and to allow you to work in our hearts, to transform us by your word, by your power working in us, transforming us to be more like you, Jesus. And so we thank you for your word tonight, and we just look forward to the things you're going to do in our lives as we continue to seek you and follow you and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. We'd like to share with you a couple of things that are going on here at Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel Caldwell invites you to our community Easter services Saturday, April 8th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, April 9th at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. This special service will feature the musical drama, This is Love, reenacting the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everyone is invited to this community event that features a bounce house face painting, candy for the kids, free pizza before the Saturday service, and a free barbecue after each Sunday service. Free lattes and Italian sodas for all first-time visitors. For more information, visit us at calvarycaldwell.com. Calvary Chapel Caldwell would like to invite you to our Saturday night service at 7 p.m. This is an alternative for those who cannot make it to our Sunday morning services. Like us on Facebook at Calvary Chapel Caldwell or check out our website at calvarycaldwell.com. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on the CW channel 2.2. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truth in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. If you would like a copy of Pastor Bob's message today in its entirety, you can call us at 208-453-9653 during the hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you're not currently attending a church and are in the Caldwell area, we'd like to invite you to one of our services. We're located on the corner of 10th and Everett, right across from the library in downtown Caldwell. You can also visit us on the web at calvarycaldwell.com. If Today in the Word is ministered to you and you would like to support this radio outreach ministry, we encourage you to pray for us. You can also partner with us financially. Simply visit calvarycaldwell.com to make a donation. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. May the Lord bless you and may you have a great day. Today is the day you will